We didn't start the fire. It was always burning since the world's been turning. We didn't light it, but we tried to fight it. Hear all about the fight in the danger zone. Amazing stories, incredible music, terrible singing about military history. I'm Paul. Sit back and relax if you can. If you're driving, don't even think of changing stations. You know how dangerous it is to take your hands off the wheel and your eyes off the road. It's International Women's Day again. Some women have their praises sung and their achievements recognised, but not all women. After all, International Women's Day is very much something that the feminist movement has instituted and that is a movement that only recognises women of the left. To paraphrase one of Joe Biden's remarkable comments during the 2020 US presidential election, if you ain't on the left, you ain't a feminist or even a woman. But that's obviously not true. So today's Danger Zone is going to look at a woman who the distinguished English historian Andrew Roberts described in his book Leadership in War as the most remarkable Englishwoman since Queen Elizabeth I. She served as Prime Minister from 1979 to 1990, winning an unprecedented, unmatched three elections in a row. She died in April 2013, apparently suffering from progressive dementia. Notwithstanding the fact that she had not held the office of Prime Minister for over 23 years when she died, the left, who never forgive, never forget and never stop hating, responded in this way to the news of her death. Margaret Thatcher is dead. Ding dong, the wicked bitch is dead. It's a shame the bitch didn't die 87 years ago. It's a shame that the IRA didn't kill the bitch. Street parties were held in certain parts of England where Margaret Thatcher's policies were seen as having had the most damaging effect. The song Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead from the famous 1939 Judy Garland movie The Wizard of Oz reached number one on the charts in England. In truth, the left were not able to pay a greater tribute to this remarkable woman than their vile reactions to her death. So let's learn about her leadership in war during the 1982 Falklands Crisis. Margaret Thatcher was born on 13 October 1925. Her fiercely independent Christian parents had brought her up to value self-reliance. Stand on your own two feet. You can make a difference to the world, so do. She got a powerful lesson in this from her parents, Alfred and Beatrice Roberts. In 1938, when they took into their home a young Jewish girl, Edith Mühlbauer. Margaret's older sister, Muriel, had been pen pals with this Austrian Jewish girl. After the Nazis took over Austria in 1938, Jews were being rounded up and sent to Dachau concentration camp. Edith wrote to her pen pal, Muriel, asking if her family could take her in. 
It was a difference between life and death. Margaret's father was a Methodist lay preacher. Her family wasn't wealthy and couldn't afford to meet the expenses of bringing Edith to England. But they were determined to help rescue her. At the next meeting of his local Rotary Club, Alfred read out Edith's appeal. The members decided to pay for her travel expenses to England and to give her a weekly allowance when she arrived. Certainly from that time, from the age of 12, Margaret was under no illusions about the evils of the totalitarian regimes of communism and Nazism. For the whole of her life, she remembered someone saying, but you know, cruelty and culture can go together. In 1949, when she was only 24 years old, she stood for Parliament. She didn't succeed in winning, but she did succeed in paring back the votes of the sitting member in a major way. It was 10 years later, 1959, before she succeeded in winning her own seat in Parliament. History isn't fashionable today because it reveals the truth. And there are those who don't want you to know the truth. One illustration of the value of history is a key part of the story about the 1982 Falklands War that Margaret Thatcher had to confront early in her role as Prime Minister. Britain was going through tough economic times in the 1980s. The economy was a shambles. Defence cuts were one way of reducing that expenditure. And so it was that the British withdrew the ice patrol vessel HMS Endurance from service in the Antarctic. The Endurance gave a clear, visible and continuing connection between the Falklands Islands and England. The withdrawal of the Endurance was seen by General Leopoldo Galtieri, the head of the military junta that was running Argentina at the time, as a sign England was pulling back from the commitment to its far-flung colonies like the Falklands. This presented Argentina with an opportunity for embarking on a military adventure to forcibly seize the islands. The ancient Romans had had a lot of experience fighting wars. Their empire was continually under threat of invasion from the many peoples that lived outside the empire. One Roman general, Flavius Vegetius Renatus, wrote a book called De Re Militari, concerning war. He penned the famous saying, Icitur qui desiderat pacem, preparat bellum. It means, if you want peace, prepare for war. So England saved $2.5 million a year by retiring the endurance and then paid more than $7.6 billion in defending and retaking the Falkland Islands because their lack of defence preparedness invited attack. Argentina felt that landing on the Falkland Islands was a safe bet. Falkland Islands had a population of a mere 1,820 people and 400,000 sheep. The Falkland Islands were nearly 13,000 kilometres from England, but just 645 kilometres from Argentina. The British Navy was in the throes of downsizing to reduce the defence budget further. There was a doubt 
as to whether England had the naval capacity to move sufficient forces to the Falklands to fight the Argentinians to win back the islands. One of Margaret Thatcher's great heroes was Winston Churchill. He was the man who had led Britain through World War II, after Hitler's defeat of France in 1940, when England stood alone against Hitler's might, it made no rational sense for England to continue to defy him. The fact that Hitler's regime was a nightmare that the world had to bring to an end, the fact that the Jews would have been exterminated in their entirety, the fact that an unbelievable evil would have been visited on the world and allowed to live, didn't matter then to a lot of smart people. Standing up to bullies isn't easy. They're bullies, and people are afraid of them. But standing up for the right, that is something that we all should do. But there are only a handful of special people who do. Margaret Thatcher was one of those people. In April 1982, the military junta, then running Argentina, decided the time was ripe taking the Falkland Islands, which the Argentinians called the Malvinas, would give the junta some much-needed popularity. So on 2 April 1982, they did just that. The population was imprisoned on the arrival of the Argentinian forces. The UN had stated in 1960 that the decision about whether the Falklands should become part of Argentina or remain part of Great Britain must be decided by the people living on the islands. The Falklands had become a British colony in 1765. Many of the families living on the island could trace their ancestry on the islands back for nine generations. There had been several referendums for the people there to decide whether they wanted to become part of Argentina or remain part of Britain. The votes were 99.8% in favour of staying with Britain. On Wednesday, 31 March 1982, British intelligence reported that the Argentinian fleet had put to sea for the invasion of the Falklands. In this scene from Season 4, Episode 4 of The Crown, Margaret Thatcher has a discussion with her private secretary about the situation. With HMS Endurance now on its way to South Georgia, carrying a combat unit of Royal Marines, if you recall. Yes, yes, Evict the scrap metal workers. The Argentine junta has responded by sending its own ice patrol ship and two missile-carrying corvettes. The foreign secretary has asked for your support of his proposed solution. Which is? To reroute HMS Endurance to avoid what he sees as an unnecessary conflict with Argentina while the situation is resolved diplomatically. You mean to do nothing? Yes. And trust all will be well. How? Will it be well if we do nothing? How will it possibly end up well if we do nothing? Our people, far from home, their lives are in danger, Charles. Our own. We must do something. An urgent cabinet meeting was convened that Wednesday night. Margaret Thatcher was urged not to take military action. The Foreign Office thought that it was important not to because it could adversely affect British popularity in South America. This drew one of the classic Thatcher responses. If you just set out 
to be liked, you would be prepared to compromise on anything, wouldn't you? At any time. And you have achieved nothing. In the cabinet meeting, only Margaret Thatcher wanted to take action. The arrival of Admiral of the Fleet, Sir Henry Leach, the first Sea Lord and Chief of the Navy Staff, arrived. He was described as very much an Admiral's Admiral. Admiral Leach had arrived by helicopter for the Cabinet meeting. He'd been attending an official function at Portsmouth. He was wearing his full-dress naval uniform. Nothing could have spoken louder in a Cabinet room full of men in civilian suits. She asked the Admiral if the Navy could be mobilised to liberate the Falklands if they were invaded. He said the Navy would be ready by the weekend. That was in just two days' time from when he spoke. That was impressive. He volunteered that not only could the Navy be ready, but that it should respond to defeat any invasion. Margaret Thatcher, on her own initiative, then ordered the fleet to be ready to sail by the weekend. The British ambassador to the UN took steps to have a resolution passed by the Security Council demanding the immediate withdrawal of Argentina from the Falklands. If China or the USSR vetoed the resolution, it would fail. Spain and Panama, then on the Security Council, supported Argentina. In order to get a two-thirds majority to pass the resolution, all of the other members on the Security Council had to vote to pass the resolution. When the vote was taken, the communist countries of China, the USSR and Poland, which also had a seat on the Security Council at that time, abstained from voting. To support a brutal right-wing dictatorship against a democracy was not a move that they wanted to be seen making. The fleet was duly ready by the weekend and sailed on 4 April. The decision to send troops to the Falklands didn't meet with universal approval. We are so lucky to have Hollywood stars to tell us what the right thing to do is. Here's Sean Penn piping up. You know, I think that the world today is not going to uh, tolerate um, any kind of um, ludicrous and archaic commitment to uh, colonialist ideology. Mention the right word in connection with something like colonialism and it's automatically evil. Thank God for Margaret Thatcher. She was able to think and reason and as a Christian had a moral code to guide her decisions. The first successes for the British came early, just 23 days after the Argentinians had invaded the Falklands. British Special Forces liberated South Georgia Island. The Argentinians there were staggered when the British launched a direct frontal attack on them. The SAS commander received this complaint from an Argentinian officer. You've just walked through a minefield. A brief press conference was called to announce the success. The media, as always, looking for the bad side in any situation, asked negative questions, which were met with this curt response from Margaret Thatcher. 
What happens next? What's yes. not? Thank you very much. Just What's your rejoice at that news and congratulate our forces and the Marines. Are we going Good to night, declare gentlemen. war on Thank you, Mr. Thatcher? The next crisis came with the World War II American-built heavy cruiser, the General Belgrano. It was manoeuvring in and out of what the British had declared as a total exclusion zone. Any Argentinian ship in that area was subject to attack without notice. The British nuclear-powered submarine HMS Conqueror had the Belgrano in its sights and was able to engage. Strictly at the time of this decision, the Belgrano was sailing away from and was outside the total exclusion zone. But it was also providing aircraft direction for the Argentinian Air Force and thus posed a clear and present danger to British military operations. Margaret Thatcher was asked for instructions about what the Conqueror should do. She didn't hesitate. The Argentinian ship, the General Belgrano, and her escorts are pursuing course 273 degrees towards the Argentinian mainland. We are tracking them with our submarine, HMS Conqueror. Is this ship a threat? Both these ships are carrying Exocet missiles, Prime Minister. Just yesterday, they launched, then aborted an attack inside the exclusion zone. There is a risk they could try it again. The Belgrano is sailing directly away from the islands. Can it really be regarded as a threat? She's been changing course continually. There's a strong possibility that they'll attempt a pincer movement on our carrier group. I advise that we engage them. Hit the Belgrano as a warning to the others. Send them all back to port. It'll play badly internationally. We'll be seen as aggressors. This will be an escalation, Prime Minister. If there is to be an escalation, it's better that we start it. It is steaming away, Prime Minister. Three Mark 8 torpedoes were fired at a range of 2,000 yards. Two hit. The Belgrano sank with the loss of 323 Argentinian lives. The seizure of the Falklands would be met with whatever level of force proved necessary to repossess them. Legendary Australian media personality Clive James has said that peace can only be achieved if you have a capacity for violence at least equal to the threat. The British showed that they had the stomach for that. Casualties and loss of life wasn't all on one side. The British had their share of pain. The Argentinian pilots were skilful and determined. They pressed home their attacks with great courage. And so it was that on 4 May, the HMS Sheffield, a British Type 42 destroyer, was hit and subsequently sank from damage that it sustained from a French Exocet missile. This was the first ship lost in action by the Royal Navy since World War II. Twenty crew members were killed. As the survivors waited to be rescued, Sub-Lieutenant Carrington Wood did what the British did best. He led the crew in singing the comic hit song from the 1979 Monty Python movie Life of Brian, Always Look on the Bright Side. On 25 May, Argentina's National Day, their air force struck a heavy blow against the British. Andrew Rogers, in his book Leadership in War, wrote, 
tremendously brave Argentinian pilots attacking under heavy fire also sank HMS Coventry, with a further loss of 20 lives and 29 wounded. These losses of lives obviously exacted a toll on Margaret Thatcher as the person, as a human being. But she didn't falter in her resolve to free the people of the Falkland Islands from their oppressors. She did not waver. Then, as happens today with the media wanting to tell a story, the media was pressuring her for immediate action on the land front. When were the ground forces going to attack? The media needs something to make sure that we, their viewers, keep watching. How hard is it to resist that sort of pressure? The difference between resisting that pressure and giving into it and ordering that an attack be launched immediately was the lives of the men fighting on the ground. Lieutenant General Sir Julian Thompson was the commander of the ground forces. They were assembled at their beachhead at San Carlos Bay. Margaret Thatcher addressed a group of conservative women on 25 May. She told them that there can be no question of pressing the force commander to move forward prematurely. Two days later, the British offensive opened. Some important battles had to be fought before the Falklands could be liberated and the Argentinians forced to surrender. One of the battles was at Goose Green. A particularly hard fight took place at night for Mount Tumbledown, the toughest fight of the campaign. On 4 June at 10.15pm, Margaret Thatcher got to her feet in the House of Commons and said, Our forces reached the outskirts of Port Stanley. Large numbers of Argentine soldiers threw down their weapons. They are reported to be flying white flags over Port Stanley. The House of Commons erupted with cheers of relief and joy. Enoch Powell, who at the start of the war had said that this would test the truth of the name the Soviet Union had given her, the Iron Lady. He now acknowledged that that was what she was. Margaret Thatcher got no sleep that night as crowds gathered near the Prime Minister's home at 10 Downing Street singing Rule Britannia. David Cameron, the Prime Minister of England at the time of Margaret Thatcher's death, paid this tribute to her. Today we lost a great leader, a great Prime Minister and a great Britain. Margaret Thatcher didn't just lead our country, she saved our country. And we should never forget that the odds were stacked against her. She was the shopkeeper's daughter from Grantham who made it all the way to the highest office in the land. There were people who said she couldn't make it, who stood in her way, who said that a woman couldn't lead, and she defied them all. She fought her way to a seat in Parliament, to the leadership of her party, and then to lead our country. And she won the backing of the British people three times in a row. She will be remembered for the great political battles that she fought, taking on the union barons, privatizing industry, unleashing enterprise, rescuing our economy, letting people buy their council homes, winning the Falklands War, strengthening our defenses, and helping to win the Cold War.
Margaret Thatcher took a country that was on its knees and made Britain stand tall again. Margaret Thatcher's experience of the Falklands War toughened her mettle for other political trials that she was going to have to face in her future. After the war, she personally, by hand, wrote 255 letters to the parents of the servicemen who died in the fighting for the Falklands. Her husband, Dennis Thatcher, said that that experience of being the person responsible for sending those men to their deaths marked her soul and mine. When the crisis of the Argentinian invasion of the Falklands happened, many looked at a woman Prime Minister and wondered whether she would wilt. Andrew Roberts in his book Leadership in War wrote about one of Margaret Thatcher's favourite poems by that great writer Rudyard Kipling and how he had written The female of the species is deadlier than the male. Andrew Roberts said, Boudicca, Elizabeth I, Catherine de' Medici, Catherine the Great, Maria Teresa, Golda Meir, Indira Gandhi, Margaret Thatcher. The witness of history is virtually uniform in the willingness of the female decision-makers to fight once they have decided the cause is just and or necessary. It is a great pity that the left, who own the misleadingly named feminist movement, will not recognise a woman of her greatness, just because they disagree with her politics. Thanks for joining me, Paul, in The Danger Zone.